nerds, if we're known for anything besides being awkward around attractive people and being stinky, are very picky about our communities. You'd need to know the right things in the right way from the right source, and if you don't, then instantly we kind of assume you're a fake fan. Even when you show that you're trying to be part of the group and you have a lot to learn, this tends to happen. But why is that? What causes us to gatekeep, and why does it hurt people? Most controversially, why is it good sometimes? This time, on Why Are You Talking About This? Nerd. Hello everyone, welcome back to Waytad Nerd. I am your host, William, and today I will be your Total War spy unlocking the gates to nerddom. And just like in that game, bet your ass you're going to see a silly animation of me sneaking into the city in a bush. And that's a deep cut for some of you. As always, it's amazing to have my voice pumping into your ears, even if it's because no one else is talking about this specific topic in this specific way. It still means the world and makes the dopamine rewarding number go up. Also, if you're using this for like a, I don't know, like a high school essay for something, uh, I don't know, put my uh, RSS feed in the um, the bibliography, I guess. Uh, as always, make sure to download the show and leave a review and share it with your friends, family, coworkers, classmates, I mean, really anyone else that will see the clear signs of someone in distress and help you, because holy shit, you probably need it. Also, make sure to send in emails for episode 20. That is coming out sooner than you would think. Uh, But with that, let's get to the actual show. Okay, so this episode we're talking about gatekeeping. And, you know, a true fan would have known that already. And like I said in the introduction, gatekeeping is one of the biggest things that the nerd community as a whole is known for. But it's important to talk about it because I think once we do, it's a lot easier to beat. So let's begin with what exactly it is. Put simply, it's discounting and excluding people that are either in a community or want to be part of the community. And for us in particular, this happens in two major ways. The first is accusing someone of being a fake or bad fan because they don't know something or they don't share the same opinion. This would be like calling someone a fake fan because they ship the whole Zuko and Katara thing. Which, by the way, I will say that's an objectively wrong take. The right take is that they both fall in love with someone entirely unrelated to the show because you're allowed to love people that aren't important to the fucking show that you're part of. 
And the second is attempting to control fan activity, information, and define the in-group of fans by defining a specific out-group of who you think aren't fans. This would include someone saying, hey, this woman isn't a real fan of Fate Grand Order because she's cosplaying Astolfo. And I'm, I'm going to say right now, if you say that with a hint of irony or self-awareness or as a joke like I just did, you need to clean your ass and also your bedroom. And you should also probably stop watching Tim Pool. He's bad for you. Also, you, you might want to do some self-reflection and come to terms with the fact that you might not be straight if the issue you have with a cosplay with a courageously short skirt is that there's no dick. Sounds a little gay to me, bud. Uh, but before we get into the tactics, let's also quickly define a fan. Uh, coming from the Latin fanatic, it initially meant someone who's either insane or divinely inspired. And while you might be under the assumption that that definition hasn't changed, that actually isn't necessarily the case. Now, it, now it mostly means someone who is really enthusiastic or passionate. Of course, you could always retort with, uh, if you've ever told a Star Wars fan that 40k is better and George Lucas can suck James Workshop's nuts, I would agree that that is a... Uh... Yeah, the definition hasn't changed that much in that case. But still. Um, also, I'm, I'm talking about this just because I want to specify that... And also, I'm bringing this up just to specify, you know, just in case someone pushes up their glasses like an anime protagonist and says, well, what if they don't know this piece of lore that I think is necessary to care about to be part of my group? I can then punch them right in the nose and also the dick and balls with this exact paragraph. Like, I can take the timestamp for this exact paragraph and shove it right back in their face. Okay. But what are some of the ways specifically that people get gatekept? Let's first go over the six most common tactics. So first, like we've already touched on, is saying someone isn't a true fan. Now this is a favorite tactic of gatekeepers, and it's meant to undermine your inclusion in their group. And this one is a real crowd pleaser when talking to someone they perceive as not being dedicated enough or into their exact specific thing. Much like the example earlier, or asking someone profoundly stupid lore questions until they get something wrong. Like, ha, you said Rylanor was an Emperor's children noise marine. Checkmate, fake fan, he was a loyalist dreadnought. Because if you're saying that, you've gone, you've gone too deep. Even GW doesn't give that much of a shit about Warhammer. And that is, like, their number one moneymaker. Okay, second is excluding someone because they use cheap, free, or knockoff software or hardware that does the literal same thing just for less money. Gamers in particular are bad about this one. You know, like, I'm sure there's a community out there that thinks that you aren't a real gamer if you don't play with an Xbox controller, even though you already have the Gamer Association of Young Socialists approved thigh highs, cat ear headset, and bisexual lighting. That's all you need, by the way, for that checklist. And if you just look down to check, the association's already approved you. Don't worry about it. 
But obviously this tactic is a shitty thing to do because on top of being a gatekeeper, you're also making fun of someone for being poor or frugal or understanding the value of money. Like, what the fuck is that? Third is denying fans access to communities for the characters they enjoy or their preferred way to interact with the media that spawned the fandom in the first place. Now, for example, the entire massive sub versus dub anime debate, as well as the massive fucking debate amongst weebs about manga versus anime, like this debate actually means anything, because we're all goddamn nerds and no one wants to touch us but each other. Or another example would be excluding someone from the group because they really like the series antagonist and thinks they're cooler than the protagonist. Yeah, that would be like someone who thinks that actually Shao Tucker maybe had some good points. And here's the thing. Are they wrong? Yes. Very wrong. Are they a fake fan? No. They know what he did, and that makes it worse. Fourth, and an actual serious one in the real world, is the isms. Like, using racism, sexism, ageism, etc. to say that someone doesn't belong in the group. Shut the fuck up, phone. And with ageism specifically, there is an exception. If someone is legit too young to be part of a fandom, that's different. You know, like a 16-year-old should not be big into the Doshin community and be going to cons. That is bad parenting. But if someone who's a black man wants to dress up as a magical girl for con because he fucking loves shoujo, don't be a dickhead and try to gatekeep his fun. If you're going to say it's not marketed to him because he's a man, you watch Shonen. That's meant for adolescent boys, and you sure as fuck are in your late 20s, straw man I made up for this example. And now that I'm done doing the equivalent of imagining your pillow as the mean kid in school and you're totally whipping their ass, let's talk about the fifth one. Quizzing someone about their knowledge of a fandom to test them and make sure they totally aren't trying to infiltrate this exceptionally classy group of nerds. This is especially douchey when it's stuff that hardcore fans are shaky on. And, you know, like I can't even really give a real example here because all the stuff I'm a fan of, I enjoy the media of, and not really the fandom. So I don't know if I know esoteric shit. And, you know, I also really prefer, like, storylines and character treatments and knowing how the story makes me feel and inspires me to do stuff over, like, the specific facts of the storyline. So, you know, I don't know a fucking thing about Warhammer Fantasy that hasn't been a lore video, but I love the world, I love playing in it, I love the lore, and you wouldn't think twice to question me because I'm fat with long hair and glasses. You know, while you're over there grilling the extremely attractive woman wearing lore-accurate Lothar and Seaguard uniform with a secret corn tattoo under her right armpit on Malal, I'm over here pretending to understand why Krokgar is important to the story of Warhammer as a whole. Okay, and finally, is this straight-up bullying? This isn't going to get covered much, because you're a nerd, you know what bullying is. But, you know, belittling and harassing people because you're a fucking goblin. That's all that it is. You're just a fucking goblin. And, you know, while these are the most common forms of gatekeeping, there are a lot more subtle tactics. Uh, most common of these are the wording of things like fan stories, games, quizzes, and other things made by fans that include indicators of language meant to imply that if someone doesn't know or they're not in, then they're not a real fan. Or the usage of the phrase, 
casual fan being ascribed to other people in order to soften the blow of gatekeeping and make it seem like you're not being a bully. You're just telling them they're a casual fan. Also, in the first example, I'm not including things that are like uh, fandom-specific language. I mean, like, throwing in things that, like, people that don't know the lore yet wouldn't understand trying to be an asshole to them. And now to bring up the thing that I made mention of at the beginning of this episode, is gatekeeping actually a bad thing? Now, hear me out. Usually it's implied to be a bad thing. What gets lost in the shuffle is that at times, gatekeeping can be done for a good purpose. You know, like cutting out problematic parts of the community that non-fans wouldn't understand. You know, like exiling the parts of the anime community that think the thousand-year-old dragon looking like a fucking child trope is okay. Normally, people just assume that this trope is a weird anime thing, but people in the community know that there's a whole lot of subtext going into this, and most of it is a problem. Or like people in the fandom that ships characters that the general public isn't aware of, but is a real legitimate moral problem. For example of good gatekeeping from one of my own fandoms, Warhammer 40k. Now, there is a community of 40k fans that are just straight up fascists. And if you're a fan of Warhammer, you know that this is fucking stupid. Why? Because while Warhammer has taken itself more and more seriously recently, it's still satire. Like, at its heart, it's a piece of fiction meant to make fun of and lampoon sci-fi, fantasy, and politics. The Imperium is a feudal, Plutarcho-fascist nightmare. You aren't supposed to like any of them, and, well, sure, you can like Gilliman because he's punching a bunch of spiteful, mass-murderous chaos space marines. You need to keep in mind that he is all of the bad parts of Julius Caesar combined with the stereotype of an autism-coded numbers guy working for an empire that routinely commits genocide because sometimes it's just hard to talk to aliens. And that's when they're not committing genocide on their own people. And if you're a fascist that plays 40k, you're fucking stupid and you don't get the point. And as much as the news says otherwise, because recently the news figured out that 40k exists, the fandom of 40k has hardcore rejected these motherfuckers. And that's good gatekeeping. Okay, so now that we have the basics covered, let's go over to the history. Alright, now we're going to start in 1529, when after a heated debate between Neri... I'm going to pause on the last name here. Vasador and Goedo... I don't want to say Guido, because I'm pretty sure that's an Italian slur. Uh, Lion. Bassador was locked outside of Florence and had boiling water poured on his head. And what was this debate about? Well, if it was okay to J.O. to a thousand-year-old female dragons, even if they'd look like a 20-year-old twink, and if that's gay or not, if God would judge you. Obviously not. All of that was made the fuck up, and I used random name generators. Rather than starting at this point in history, we start in the truly ancient, unbelievable times of the 1960s in the United States of America. And yeah, this is going to be a very short history section again. I apologize to you history nerds, but do you really want me going all the way back to the beginning of humanity for gatekeeping? Okay, so 
In the 1960s, with the rise of fandoms and fanzines, like we've talked about in other episodes, comes along the rise of gatekeeping those fandoms. Now, to me at least, this seems really weird and counterintuitive, because at the time, most fandoms are highly isolated cells far away from fans of the same fandom, unless you're really geographically close. I mean, the only way to really reach out at a distance and have large fan groups are things like pen pal programs, fanzines, and like international clubs that are scattered across the world. Now, I find this being the start of gatekeeping to, yes, be weird, but when I think about it, not unexpected. Why? Because at this time, finding new people to be part of your group was hard. But, you know, hey, nerds are nerds. And at this time, because of the small groups and cellular nature, gatekeeping was highly, highly damaging to the growth of the nerd community. Because it was rare to find someone in the same fandom or people interested, and being a gatekeeping asshole can scare them away from growing the community and burn bridges. And it also stalled diversity of nerd culture, as obviously, being the 60s, it was a white boys club for the most part. And this became more of a problem in the 1980s, because despite the attempts of gatekeepers, nerd communities grew. And as they became more well-known, and people began to see these communities as the weirdo outsiders, they became targets of bullying and harassment, because, you know, it was the 80s. Which makes these groups more insular and exclusive. And with a combo of growing communities and bullying, a lot of groups began to do secret initiations, internalize requirements where they, you know, need someone to do X thing before they even think of them as a nerd. Difficult bars of entry into actual official groups and becoming secret nerds hiding in underground comic book shops like speakeasies in the 20s. And it also becomes really common for you to be required to contribute to your fandom with stories or knowledge about the fan media or performing an exchange of information or meeting up like a certain number of times. And if you think, oh, this sounds silly... I agree. But that's because we're modern nerds. We have not experienced 1980s bullying for our fandom. Making it into an exclusive secret society was a natural defense against all the shit that they were dealing with. And this influenced people that were introduced to nerddom after this initial group. Meaning some part of nerd culture is still afraid of this bullying almost by like a genetic memory. But in the 1990s, the internet begins to rise and mass communication becomes more and more feasible. Meaning that as people begin to expand into the fandoms and found these more open but still largely anonymous online communities, it upsets the power structure of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And this would eventually unseat this gatekeeping culture and scatter it across nerddom. With gatekeepers since attaching themselves to communities, carrying the memories of these ancient times into the modern day. Yeah, that was very nerdy phrasing, but you know me. Speaking of which, into the 2000s, we begin to move into this era where fandom becomes more and more independent. People begin to attach themselves to fandom more at will. This allows for mass splintering, and in the splintering of fan groups, a lot of people continue the tradition of gatekeeping to keep their specific version of the fandom they like sacred to them. And, I mean, yeah, that... That's really it for the history, but I mean, let's jump over to the current status.
Okay, so what do people think of gatekeeping nowadays? And largely annoyance? Because for a lot of people, gatekeeping ruins fandoms and is really the exact opposite of the entire concept. Because for most people, fandoms are about community. You know, building common goals and interests and growing together and making connections. And gatekeeping is about exclusion and conflict. Luckily, however, like most behavior that should have been criminalized a long time ago, this really only exists in great numbers on the internet. For the most part, the people that crawl out of their cave to go to cons aren't going to be an asshole in public. You know, when they're within face-punching distance. Most of the time, people who come to conventions just want to hang out with other fans and be cool and also, like, build communities and uh, do other things with each other. But those who are gatekeepers often feel like they're protecting their community. From what, you might ask? Well, that's when uh, that's when things start to get dicey. Because sometimes when you ask them that, they might stare blankly as they realize they don't know, or other times they'll say fake fans, which, as we know, and as we learned earlier, that's not real. People nowadays don't pretend to like a thing to get into a nerd shop and then start making fun of the people they are surrounded by, some of whom are fucking jacked, and most of them are angry from a lifetime of being bullied. That really sounds like you're trying to die. But then other times when you ask them, the gatekeepers aren't embarrassed to say things like the gays, women, their least favorite minority, or people that they aren't generally in the same age range of. You know, like, there's a large community of nerds that think that, like, the kids shouldn't be involved in nerd stuff. There's people who think old people shouldn't be. All of that. But then why does gatekeeping happen? Well, it comes down to a few things. And some of this is pretty self-explanatory. You know, like having, like, nerd elitism or wanting a specific in-group because they're an asshole in real life, too. But it can also come from wanting to have more power in the fandom. Like, if someone is viewed as the cool guy in his particular fandom, anyone who he sees as a threat is going to get gatekept by him and his dick writers. But there are other reasons, with most of them being personal flaws. The first is a form of hipsterism, that they liked something before it was cool to be into it, and it was part of the mainstream. And because of that, they feel very attached to how they came to be introduced to the fandom, It may see new fans coming in as jumping on the fad, or not being tough enough to be part of the fandom. And mind you, these are like fucking anime and D&D nerds. Tough isn't a word you'd usually use to uh, describe them. And this can also come from a place of feeling like it's very important to being a fan that people make fun of you for your interests. Which is weird, but I understand. Because I got into D&D literally right before it became mainstream from some OG nerds and D&D players. So when I see someone getting into D&D now, I have to fight the reflex to question, like, would they really be into this if it wasn't popular? Because ultimately, that doesn't matter. They're an innocent baby nerd that hasn't been corrupted yet, and by hell or high water, I'm going to indoctrinate them into my specific brand of gameplay and ruin their life. The second is a form of generational bullying. That because you suffered, either by hands of other nerds that also suffered, or from people who hated you for your nerddom, you deserve to be able to dish it out too. And who are the general targets? I mean, either people that remind them of their bullies, or people that they are too similar to. Now, this is a massive personality flaw, because 
the greatest revenge is to focus on your dreams and hobbies and have a happy and fulfilling life as you watch the people that bullied you slowly crumble apart as human beings because sustained bullying is only possible with immense personality issues and then showing back up at the high school reunion with a twinkle in your eye watching your former classmates go bald at 27. Uh, just, just an example. But truly, this is a toxic defense mechanism meant to stop someone you perceive as either a bully or a potential bully magnet getting into your no-no square. And by that, I mean your heart. Or this is a pitiful attempt at getting back the power. And the thing is that this can be very broad and vague. You know, like those dudes that were bullied by the cute girls in middle school, and now whenever he's a woman he's attracted to, dressed like Wonder Woman, he gets non-flashbacks and wants revenge. And, you know, maybe in actuality, those girls back there in middle school were just trying to relate to the weird kid, because that's also a defense mechanism. Third is a false sense of superiority. I think you're an exclusive group, one that might be hard to get into because there's a niche focus, which feels really good. Humans like being part of the in-group, especially when there's a clear out-group. But when that becomes too common, the dopamine starts to drop. In order to protect yourself from that, rather than feeling happy and excited to induct new members, you turn into a fucking tiger in a nature documentary and get all territorial to protect your source of dopamine. But of course, this is only if being a nerd in this specific community is your only source of dopamine, and you also don't go to fucking therapy like I tell you to every fucking episode. Which unfortunately, for a lot of gatekeepers, is the case. Also, uh, for anyone listening to the back catalog, because... You know, it's still early in the show's run. If you find gatekeepers in my community, just tell them to get therapy until they stop being a gatekeeper. You have my permission. <sighs> That's going to come back to bite me at some point, isn't it? Anyways, uh, fourth is a cultural communication. Because of the wide variety of cultural backgrounds going to fandoms nowadays because of the internet, miscommunication between cultures becomes much more common and happens a lot easier which can eventually create enough stress in the fandom that the gatekeepers, somehow always being the first ones new fans come across, manage to divide the group on some very specific and very cultural battle lines. Like, for example, if you have a show with a very powerful female lead character that for your home culture would be seen as a sex icon, might be seen as annoying or overbearing in a cultural background where women are seen as second-class citizens that should just be quiet and docile. Even if the fans of the show are otherwise not outwardly sexist, they still have that internalized sexism. Meaning that when fights emerge about this, the fan group is divided on this character, and if the gatekeepers get their Cheeto-encrusted fingies on any amount of power, then the fandom splits because of this. And on a, on a line that's honestly really dumb. But finally, it's just natural discordance. Because, you know, like, fuck, man, life is hard sometimes, and it's not worth it to work shit out, or you can't figure out how. And because no group is ever going to completely agree on everything, a fight is bound to break out. And from that will stem fandom divisions. And where there's divisions, there's gatekeeping. But before we move on, there is one specific aspect of gatekeeping that is luckily starting to decrease nowadays, but is entirely gone. I should correct, not even particularly close to being gone, actually. And that is gatekeeping femme-presenting nerds. Now, given that I'm both very mask-coded and also very nerd-coded and I'm a cis man, 
I don't really have any experience with this. And because most femme nerds can sense the desperation oozing off of me, I'm also not able to ask any I know about this because I don't know any. So instead, we have a sample survey from Yali Perez's article, You Shall Not Pass, Fandom, The Gatekeeping of Femme Fans. In this, Perez talked to 10 femme nerds, stop getting horny, between the ages of 25 and 30, stop getting horny, about their experiences with gatekeeping. If you don't stop getting horny right now, I swear to fucking God. After talking to them, all 10 of them had been gatekept. At least once. And 9 out of 10 by men, and 3 of them by women. Which, holy fucking shit, guys, what is wrong with you? You, allow me to project for a moment, beg for more femme people and nerd them because we're horny, and then you motherfuckers scare everyone away. I'm, I was projecting with the first part, I'm too awkward around people to gatekeep. Now, back on track, the most common tactic was quizzing them about characters and obscure lore to get a gotcha moment of being found out as a fake fan. Which, Jesus Christ. And 8 out of 10 of these women are lifelong nerds. Like They grew up with this shit. They have the same background. And all 10 of them were part of more than one fandom. They are deep in this shit. They aren't playing around. They're not trying to infiltrate the group. Look, okay, I'm going to stop. Because I don't know what to say about this without being very angry and getting turned into a meme. And Ah, fuck it. You mother... <gasps> Yeah, just kidding. I'm not going to get into that. If you don't see a problem with sexism and nerdum and the unfair levels of gatekeeping done to women because most nerdy men are perpetually 14 years old, being simultaneously unbelievably horny for and disgusted by women, you're lying to yourself. Which, speaking of which, let's uh, get into why exactly this matters. Primarily, gatekeeping in nerd groups holds up a bit of a mirror to wider society. And why is that? because fandoms are a controlled microcosm of the wider world and can very easily reflect how we actually think when we're out in the real world interacting with people. Because in this environment, we're comfortable, and how we behave within this comfort zone to strangers and people we see as the outgroup can give us an idea about how we view people in the real world. Now, this is especially seen with both sexism and racism sexism, for example, by implying that women can't be real fans, or trying to exclude them from your fandom, shines a light on sexist beliefs that are within your thick with quadruple C skull. And this doesn't happen in a vacuum, it's learned beliefs and behavior. And by saying something like, this character can't be played by an Asian actor, shows he has some racist thoughts floating around. And why does it show it? Put simply, because all of our media is made the fuck up anyways. Who gives a shit if the token elf in your fantasy novel is played by an Asian actor in the film adaptation? Because the novel doesn't take place on Earth. There's no historical realism to hold up by racistly saying there were never Asian people in Europe, which is not true, by the way, and don't fucking get me started, that would justify an Asian actor. Motherfucker is wearing pointy ears and fighting a tennis ball on a stick, standing in front of a green piece of sheeting, that they're going to edit into a forest and a dragon. 
why do you give a single shit? Now, there's also a lot of other real-world shitty things that can get dragged into this. Like classism and poverty. By implying that to be a real fan, you have to buy specific things or go to specific places in order to, like, actually engage with the fandom. You know, like those Disney adults that say the only real Disney fans go to Disney World every year, like they're going to Mecca, except you have to go every year instead of just at least once in your life. You know, because even real-world religions understand that poverty exists. It can also include ableism and body shaming, like telling people they can't be fat while cosplaying certain characters. Because again, Jesus, dude, this is all made up, and they can have fun without you being an asshole. You know, like someone who's in a wheelchair playing a character that can walk. Like, what is wrong with you? Why do you feel the need to see someone, like, cosplaying as Link in a wheelchair and telling them, hey, Link can walk, you know? Like, like they don't fucking know that? Like, they're not just trying to have fucking fun? Sorry, this is a... I have friends that deal with ableism. This is... Oof. Okay. And all these things can and probably will make people who are already discriminated against avoid fandoms and causes the fandom to stop growing, which then, then causes it to stagnate and eventually die off. And before it stagnates and dies off, and when it does, people are going to be happy about it because of this, but you give it a bad reputation. When you give the fandom a bad reputation, when it dies, people are happy. Okay, but all this aside, the other thing is, uh, isn't this literally just bullying? I mean, the thing that a fuck ton of nerds have dealt with growing up, the thing that is immensely traumatizing and that you very well might be processing through by being an asshole. I mean, a lot of the nerds I'm around complain about loneliness, and a lot of them are gatekeepers, and a lot of them were bullied. And they're actively pushing people out of their fandom that either want to be their friends, or just exist in the same space as them for no other reason than because someone was a dick to them in high school. Do you want to be like that? Okay, so now let's just talk about how to avoid gatekeeping, both personally and in your own fandoms. So what can you do to avoid gatekeeping personally? Therapy. Not joking. Literally the best way to avoid gatekeeping is to do some personal work. Because a lot of the things that can cause gatekeeping are personal issues dealing with trauma from stuff like bullying and having a hard time in social situations causing shitty things to happen to you. So examine yourself and address your issues. And if you don't want to do that, how about you just shut the fuck up? Don't say anything. If you feel the desire to quiz someone or call them a fake fan, just shut up and punch yourself in the dick. Okay, but once you're pretty sure you're not gatekeeping or have a sore ball sack from punching yourself dozens of times over and over again in the middle of the convention floor, you can turn your attention outwards. When you see gatekeeping, the best, biggest thing you can do is basically tell them to shut the fuck up. But be nicer about it. So, if you see gatekeeping, don't be afraid to jump in. Obviously, don't be a white knight, because that's its own problem in nerd culture, but you can still get involved and deflect a bit, or talk and 
until the uh, gatekeeper gets embarrassed or they realize that they've been uh, talking in a group involving a woman and they'll panic and then run away. Um, or you can point out how dumb and ridiculous they are and just tell them to let people like things because that's something people can, can do. They're allowed to like things. Also, the other way that you fight it in the longer term uh, is to keep your community inclusive. Because by keeping your community inclusive, you ensure that they, you ensure that it not only grows, but continues to grow and can also thrive. And importantly, also be seen as a positive influence by uh, normal people, which I think a lot of nerds underestimate how powerful that is. Because, you know, like, the D&D fandom has, well, the D&D fandom as a whole has gotten a lot of, like, mainstream traction and seen as a positive thing in society. So now people are getting into it, and there's, like, actual evidence now that is becoming popular of D&D helping people emotionally and, like, building communities and friendships and, like, people that aren't involved in D&D are starting D&D groups to build their communities. It's becoming a tool and a resource. But, anyways, all of this will eventually force the gatekeepers out or make them shut up. Which addresses the issue, at least as far as you or anyone in the community need to worry about. Everything else is their personal problem that they need to fix themselves, and no one is going to convince them to do it unless they do it. But with that, let's go to the soapbox. Alright, now, both like and unlike other topics we've covered, this is one that I understand pretty well. I mean, I get it. I have the reflex, too. And because I have the reflex and have probably at least more than a few times, I've been a gatekeeper without noticing or remembering, I don't have any issue with people who start from this state. I mean, it's natural to find a group who want to feel like it's important and unique and they have a place in it that everyone respects and loves and that you're in a community where you're valued and people know you. But I do have an issue when people don't move on from this. People who, after years and years of being a nerd and being actively involved in their group, don't have any kind of personal development or character arc and are still telling people that they can't be part of their group because they're worried about, what, being forgotten? Their friends hating them? Someone infiltrating nerddom in order to destroy from within? Because if you're part of the community, no one's going to forget you. If you made friends in the community... They aren't going to hate you. They're friends with you for a reason. It's not like they're looking for someone better to come along. And no one infiltrates nerd groups. If someone shows up to join the community, they aren't trying to be a jock spy to eventually reveal that the entire time they're just trying to make fun of you. And if you do encounter someone that's trying to do that, they're just an asshole anyways. You don't even have to call them out. You can just call them an asshole and move on. You know, have fun in your community, and when someone new wants to join in, let them. All right, let's let's get you home. (laughs) 
All right, and that is episode 13 done. I know that that was uh, short, like really short, but this is an important topic to cover and one that I, I think has been plaguing our community as a whole for almost half a century now. But anyways, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast feed, like it, leave a review, whatever else it is you can do on your platform of choice. Send me an email at waytatpods at gmail.com. That is W-A-Y-T-A-T-P-O-D-S at gmail.com. With questions, concerns, opinions, compliments, insults, I'm actuallys, the take, the guy you kicked out of your fandom, the weirdest gatekeep you've ever heard, and anything else you want to tell me. Also, follow me on Twitter at waytat underscore pods. Remember to check out my other podcast, Wait At, where I talk about things that actually happens and that kind of, yeah, gatekeeping reflects sometimes. But with that, have a good night, have fun, keep writing, and remember, don't be a cunt. This has been Why Aren't You Talking About This Nerd, and I've been your host, William. Good night.